Welcome to NFT Tales, our podcast to talk about our adventures in NFT land and current events in the NFT world. I'm Jeremy Craig. And my name's Jonathan Smith. This is episode two of the podcast titled NFT Getting Started Guide. For today's episode, we're going to talk about how to get into NFTs and discuss some of the major criticisms regarding NFTs, and then finally circle back with Jonathan so he can finish off with another one of his fan fiction stories. Hey, that sounds great, Jeremy. You know, hopefully this episode will either help people get into NFTs who've been wanting to get into them, or give those of us who are already NFT enthusiasts some new talking points, some new wording to use whenever you're with your friends and your family during the holidays. So let's get into it. Okay, Jeremy, you've onboarded more people into NFTs than me. What do you recommend for people wanting to get into NFTs? Oh, man, that's got to be easy for me. I would say top shot all the way. Um, You know, I'm definitely partial to that, but to me, it's a no-brainer. It's uh, the easiest one to get started into. It can sign up for your Dapper and, and, you know, OnFlow accounts with your Google account, so you don't really have to set up anything new. I know how that's how you got into it as well, right? So that's an on-ramp that you're comfortable with, that worked out for you. One thing I really like about uh, Top Shots is that people, my favorite analogy talking about NFTs is to compare them to like baseball cards, because that's an analog in the real world that a lot of people understand. And so you can go with Top Shots and be like, okay, it's a digital basketball card. And that's not right. We all know that it's really the moments and we all know it's really the blockchain. But for someone just getting into the market, it gives you a really easy way to explain it. And it gives them a really easy way to understand kind of what they're getting into. Definitely much easier to grasp than, you know, some of the intricacies of, of the true collection. But let's talk about that. How do you get a quote unquote true collection? Well, once you graduate from Top Shot, um, most likely you're going to go to the Ethereum blockchain. There are some other ones, but um, we're going to assume, you know, the Ethereum chain. So you're going to need a custodial wallet that holds Ether. Um, the number one wallet for that and most commonly used one is going to be MetaMask. So you're going to need to go set you up a MetaMask profile and, and you know, probably a browser extension and, and get used to, you know, purchasing currency and, and loading different cryptos to that wallet so that you're queued up and, and ready to make purchases. Yeah, I think getting a MetaMask Chrome extension is a way a lot of people go. You know, you start off, you follow the directions, it gives you an account, and then boom, you have a crypto wallet. Of course, you actually have to get the crypto in the wallet. And so to do that, you're going to have to get onto a place like Kraken or Coinbase. That's an exchange where you can connect, say, like a bank account. So that way you can actually buy the crypto to begin with. So you'd sign up for Coinbase. You'd use that to, you know, get your bank account tied in. You'd use money from your bank account to buy ETH. And then once you have that ETH, you have to transfer it out of that that Coinbase account and actually get it into the MetaMask wallet. One thing that confused a lot of people early on is that an exchange account is not the same as a wallet. That is just an account. It's almost kind of like a bank account. It's the difference between having a bank account and having a fistful of dollars, Right. Like you control a fistful of dollars, but you don't control your bank account. If Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, wakes up tomorrow and puts an extra zero there, another it takes off a zero, that's going to change your life, right? Like that's not something you're in control of. Um, but with uh, a, a wallet, whether it's a hardware wallet, whether it's a soft wallet, like MetaMask, whether it's a paper wallet, 
that puts you in control because you determine that whenever you set it up, it made you do a secret phrase or a seed phrase. That phrase is what basically ties back to that wallet for any type of wallet. And whenever you have that kind of setup where there's a single address, you've set it up, only you know the phrase, only you can control it. You know, if you're in something like a Coinbase, you don't have a single address. There's deposit addresses, there is withdrawal addresses. That's how you know if you're dealing with, say, Coinbase wallet, they do have a wallet. It confuses things. They have a wallet. And so if you don't have a single uh, a link that everything is tied to, then you're in exchange. And you, you learn the hard way, right, Jeremy? You, you don't want to be trading stuff around with your, your exchange account, right? You know, I didn't learn the concept of a custodial wallet until I tried to transfer some wrapped ETH back to my Coinbase wallet because I didn't get the bid I made. So definitely it's a concept that was a little difficult and, and foreign at first, but I learned the hard way for sure. So one thing I like, once you get a little further along, is I'm really big on hardware wallets. Um, the, so with MetaMask, that extension, it will make an account, and that account is what's called a software wallet, and it works just fine. It's going to be stored there on your computer tied to that seed phrase. But if you have a hardware wallet, a Ledger or a Trezor, with those, it's a USB device that you hook up to the computer. You connect MetaMask with that device, and then no transactions can go through without you confirming on that device separately from your computer. So that way, for example, if someone like hacked your computer and got access to it, they wouldn't have access to the little USB device. They wouldn't have access to your finger to touch the button on the USB device to be authorizing things. And so a hardware wallet is a great place if you're going to store NFTs for long term, if you're going to store cryptocurrency for long term. It's where I like to keep stuff. Now, there are limits with the hardware wallet. Just today, I ran into a minting limit where the Trezor gave an error that wouldn't work with just a plain software MetaMask wallet. So definitely know what you're getting into. Don't start using a hardware wallet until you have an idea, you know, how, how one's functions and what you're doing with it. But I, I find that that's the safest way to hold on to both your NFTs and your crypto. And as you've known the hard way, Jeremy, like it's almost like a, a speed bump, right? You're sitting there and you want to buy something. You have to go and grab the wallet out of the safe for the drawer or whatever, like gives you that extra second. I know in the past that's helped you out before. Oh, it definitely has. I know that when we're talking about it, another term is cold storage. So it, the hardware wallet provides that cold storage. When I'm hot and queued up, you know, it's pretty easy to, to make that FOMO impulse buy. But when it's on the cold storage and you got to boot it up and enter your seed phrase and, and whatnot, it, it just gives you that little bit of extra time to say, am I going to have a little post-purchase buyer's remorse or is this a good idea? Yeah, that's definitely the same thing for me. Like I, I've had situations where I wanted to sell something, but oh, it's on my Trezor and ah, I'm not even going to go bother to get it. But if it was just sitting there on my mega MetaMask, boom, it would have been done. Right. So but and, and one thing also to kind of note about that. So I'm talking about security. Th let's just be clear about something. Whether you're doing a Trezor wallet, whether you're just using the MetaMask account, whether you go get some other wallet. Never give anyone either your wallet password or your seed phrase. I think one thing that gets a lot of people early on is there's a lot of scammers in the field that act like they need this information to do certain thing, to help you out with certain thing. You know, there's no reason for anyone to get this information. If, if you're trying to do something and someone's asking for it, then that whatever you're doing isn't the right thing because there's nothing in crypto that's valid that would require that. And quite frankly, if you mess up or something and someone asks for that, there's no uh, higher authority really in crypto. You know, if you get hacked, if you send the thing to the wrong account, if something like that happens, there's really no one to help you out. That's kind of the Wild West environment that it is. And so 
Don't give anyone your wallet for uh, a password or your seed phrase or your secret phrase or whatever you want to call it, because then that gives them access to everything. And then you can just get completely cleaned out. Well, you know, one thing we go back and forth a lot on this, Jeremy, is I know people that they got targeted. They got a key logger put on their computer. Someone stole their their seed phrase password by making it look like that, like a fake MetaMask page where it had to like reload your wallet or something. Look just like the setup page, except it wasn't. And then they had that stolen from them. So you just have to be really careful with that information. You have to be really careful on whatever computer you're connecting to your wallets and what you have that wallet set up on. I mean, I I know you use Windows for everything, and you've been fine, Jeremy. It's worked great for you, but I'll, I recommend for a lot of people if they can. They have a Mac. Use something like Mac OS. I use Chrome OS for pretty much all my NFTs and crypto. Just to add that extra layer, just to be in an operating system environment that isn't as targeted. But you can be fine with Windows. You just need to be vigilant. You just need to be careful and not take, you know, get into things that you don't know anything about. All right, I'm talking a little bit too much. I'm gonna give it back to you. Let's talk about where they actually go. What is the market that people buy things on if they wanna buy NFTs, Jeremy? So the biggest market right now is OpenSea. Uh, there's a few others that are, you know, going to come to market, um, Coinbase particularly. But right now, you, I would say probably nine, well, eighty to ninety percent of the sales is is done on OpenSea. I mean, that's where I go. That's kind of I, I know there's other marketplaces, but for me, things almost turn real whenever they hit OpenSea, right? But uh... it it definitely offers some validity. I know that you got on my case the first couple of times because I'd get into a Discord and somebody would start offering a trade and you know, your response was always don't do trades. If there's a way to get it from OpenSea or, or through the marketplace, you've got a little bit of enforcement or, or you know, viability to have some security there. So I, I know I was talking to a few people about some top shot trades and, and you were just almost rolling over and inside yourself saying, no, that's a bad idea. You know, I'm just real personally conservative. Um, in my years of crypto, I have been burned a couple of times. So I just get nervous about trusting people. If you know someone in the real world, like uh, I bought one of your ballers pretty much, you know, off chain, shake hands. Right. And so it's not like it's something that can't be done. But especially early on, you get on something like OpenSea, you see all these auctions, you get all this activity and people airdropping you stuff and messaging you. And you think that that's where you have to go. You think that's where the cool kids are, so to speak. And that's not the case. Uh, most of the time, the extra effort to get into an auction to wrap your ETH, there are people getting great deals that way, but they're very sophisticated. They're making bids across the marketplace and finding desperate buyers. If you're just getting into it, don't worry about that. Just go to the buy now. Just go see for what pure ETH, not wrapped ETH, not a bid, not an auction, what it'll take to buy into that project. And then just use that as your baseline, as your floor. I don't care about auctions at this point. Like I, I've done that. I've wrapped my ETH and all that, but that's an extra step to wrap ETH that you have to get into. You have to pay fees on. And quite frankly, you get a better sense of value to know what people are willing to sell out there, maybe not what you can pick off or something like that. And so go on to OpenSea, find a project you like. If you don't know what project you look for, maybe go by rankings and look at the top projects just to get a feel for the marketplace. You'll notice when you click on any project, it has a floor price. That floor price is tied to what someone is selling it for in pure ETH, not on an auction or anything like that, not like the highest bid, but what someone is selling it for in ETH. So you can always go and find that. And then if you want the one that's quote unquote the floor one, you can have that. Or you can look up the scale from there and maybe pay a little extra for one that you prefer the art on, that sort of thing. I mean, I don't know. This is only talking about OpenSea, though, Jeremy. Where else are you get your NFTs from? 
Well, we got the ballers from on Gaia, um, which is going to roll out. You know, that was the Blotco wallet. Um, obviously, I've got Flow. I've got the Dr. Susables that I'm a part of, which was, you know, from theirs. I know they're going to drop La Liga. Um, I even got a Soul one last week. So Solana's got a network, Magic Eden, or uh, what is it? Solana Star. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've got to admit, I, I haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah, I'm a bit of an ETH maxi, so I've kind of kept in uh, to the ETH world. But, you know, I've gone on websites and I've minted directly off of project websites whenever that's available. I've gone and I've picked up, you know, there's that NFT swap website where you can do direct swaps through the blockchain. That's a little bit more direct, straightforward. You know, one thing I will say with people, especially early on, whenever you sign on to these Web3 websites, it'll ask to connect to your MetaMask. Be careful about just connecting your MetaMask to random sites. Be careful about signing anything that, that pops up on your MetaMask whenever you're going on random sites. Early on, if you stick to OpenSea, you will be fine for the most part. The only place where you can kind of get gotten in OpenSea is every now and then scammers will drop air, what's called airdrop extra NFTs into your wallet. So if you ever see NFTs that you don't know what they are, that's what that is, that they're just trying to bait you into either looking at their project or sometimes they'll have, quote unquote, locked pieces of the project and what they give to you. And then whenever you try to go and unlock it and sign that with your wallet, they can clean you out. So if there's NFTs in your wallet that you've never recognized that you didn't purposely buy, don't mess with them. The only thing you can do is you can hide them in the OpenSea wallet. That hiding action's okay, but doing anything directly with the NFT other than just hiding it it might get you into trouble. So be careful about those NFTs that just get dropped on you. I don't want to scare people, but I mean, early on, the same thing I did for you, right? I was sitting there waving my finger at you. Don't do this and don't do that. I act like I'm the old maven of like crypto or something because anyone that's been around as long as me since, you know, the, the early, uh, uh, of the, of the last part of the decade, you've been scammed a couple of times. You've been taken on a, the road a couple of times. And so you just don't want to see other people do that, especially anyone who's listening to this podcast, excited about NFTs, which have good experience. So stick to the major wallet, stick to MetaMask, stick to the major sites like OpenSea, and you won't have a bad experience. But it's not always in everyone's best interest to be part of the Mint. Sometimes it's better to see things develop. So, uh, Or just to see what their community looks like. That's your big thing, right, Jeremy, the community side of it. Oh, yeah. I definitely want to get on the project discord and, and check out the Twitter. Um, I was going to kind of tie that back into what you were saying earlier. If you're ever not sure about the security on a project or if, you know, someone's, you know, contacting you, uh, you can always validate the person that's talking to you or, or check the official link. Luckily, you you scared the bejeebers out of me early on, so I don't click on any of that stuff. But for the most part, if someone's offering you something on a silver platter and it looks too good to be true, it probably is, right? Like someone's trying to get you into something that means they're probably trying to scam you. Watch out. I mean, every now and then I'll see something new worth minting that someone will DM me out, but it's very rare nowadays. I kind of keep away from it. You probably get way more DMs than me which, between the Twitter and the Discord modding you do and all that. You must be crazy for you. It's It's a daily task for sure. That's one thing I would just be, just be careful, just be on your guard, sticking to the clear pathways, you know, like MetaMask, going to OpenSea and for early on, not alternatives. And you should have a good experience and you can get into some really good stuff. Well, all right, John, I think we've covered quite a bit of information here today. So why don't we kind of do a little wrap around here and, and summarize everything again? Uh, you can take a break and get your voice rested up for the story that's coming up next. Um, just to kind of give everybody that's been listening the details again, NBA Top Shot is found online at www.nbatopshot.com. That's N-B-A-T-O-P-S-H-O-T.com. 
Uh, once you do that, you will be able to set up a Dapper account that's within your profile settings there on NBA Top Shot. Uh, once you've dabbled around there and feel like you're ready to move on, or even if you want to set up, you know, a custodial wallet there in in MetaMask and OpenSea, um, we can do that next. So OpenSea is going to be your platform, like we discussed for the Ethereum NFTs. Actually, a couple other chains, but uh, that website and web link is OpenSea.io. So O P-E-N-S-E-A dot I-O. MetaMask is going to be the embedded hardware wallet for that. That's going to be the one that we said, you know, has got the browser extensions and is easily recognizable by almost all of the Web 2 and Web 3 stuff right now. So that is MetaMask dot I-O, M-E-T-A-M-A-S-K dot I-O. Some of the most common non-custodial wallet exchange sites that people are going to be using to get Ether and money to these custodial wallets is going to be Kraken.com, and that is K-R-A-K-E-N.com. And Coinbase, of course, is is going to be the number one exchange for most people, uh, Coinbase, B-A-S-E.com. We did mention two hardware wallets in this. Once you get past you know, just a non-custodial and custodial, you're going to start looking at what the difference between a hot and cold wallet would be. A hot wallet is obviously one that is, you know, online when your computer's online, uh, part of the browser extension or a MetaMask wallet. Uh, Cold storage is going to be that treasure or that ledger that we mentioned that would be not online and require initiation and, you know, multiple approvals from the user being you. Um, so those websites are treasure.io, T-R-E-Z-O-R.io, or ledger.com, L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Um, and again, that's the difference between a hot and cold custodial wallet. Uh, when you have these wallets, you're going to get the seed phrase like John mentioned. Uh, write it down. Don't enter it on a computer. I wouldn't even take pictures of it because your pictures can be hacked. Um, certain places have metal engraving, wood engraving, and other things. You, you can get as fancy as you want, but at the end of the day, write it down, you know, two or three times, laminate it. I put it with my kids' birth certificates and, you know, social security cards and my marriage certificate, and then I have one or two different random places. So just make sure that you can always find it because that really is, you know, the lifeline to your wallet if anything should ever happen to it or, or the computer that it's all saved on. Um, And my last final bit probably of information that I would share, you'll realize once you do get some of these wallets and you have to start entering the address of where you're going to be sending things, that it is a rather complicated address. It's an alphanumeric 27-digit address. And in order to make that easier, um, without, you know, going too far into a whole nother subject matter, there's what's called an ENS domain, which allows you to buy more or less a website that reroutes traffic to your actual wallet. Um, as you all know, my Twitter handle and everything is Mr. Jerkdake or at Jerkdake, but I also bought the ENS domain MrJerkdake.eth. So all of my transactions will actually show up on, you know, the Etherscan transaction list. And if you were to send me anything, you can just type MrJerkdake.eth and it transcribes that 27-digit alphanumeric address for you. So if you're going to get into the crypto world, that is something that I would possibly look at is getting an ENS domain. Um, It's kind of your way of of staking your claim to a little piece of crypto uh, while you still can. 
So we've been letting John, you know, rest up for this. We, we've got a very good story for you this week. We're excited. Uh, it's part of the Uwu crew, and he's going to be, you know, filling us in on Lilith's backstory. So get your popcorn out. Without any further ado, let's bring on John and his story for the week. Where is it? Lilith screamed as she tore through her packages in her mail on her doorstep. Where is it? It should have come by now. She sat there and she went through her thoughts. Did I throw it away? Did it get lost like it did a couple hundred years ago? I know I flayed the soul who lost it last time. Something was going on like that here. I should have it by now. Lilith is an immortal demon. And like most demons, her favorite time of year is whenever she gets to attend the annual demon ball. Of course, her attendance is mandatory, as she is one of the stars of the entire demon world. But how can she go to a ball without her invitation, she thought. This simply won't work. I am not showing up without an invitation in case anyone assumes I might not be invited. Now, last year, Last year, the invitation came on time, she said. Last year, she had a lot of fun going and making fun of that one lesser demon she always makes fun of. What's his name? That guy. You know, we always have a good time with him. He's a good sport, and he always has a good time getting a glimpse of her glory. You know, I mean, it was her who invented the original form of torture and her who figured out that human skulls made excellent decoration in demon homes. So he is lucky she even remembers him at all. Oh, what's his name? I mean, how could anyone like her get a late invitation? It just baffled her. Something must be going on, she said. So then Lilith picked up her phone and called her shopping buddy, Mammon. After some idle chatting and some small talk about her new dress, she cut to the point. Hey, did you get your invitation yet? He hesitated. Lilith... I have something to do. I'll I'll, I'll call you back in just a bit. And he hung up. Lilith was surprised, but a demon like him is always busy, so that's okay. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go ahead and call the leader of the ball just to make sure that they don't feel like they offended me by not getting me my invitation on time. Now, who was that again? So she threw her files and went through them and looked in her desk to try to find that newspaper article that mentioned who was in charge of the ball this year. And along the way, she found many pictures of her going to the ball with different dresses and her different hairstyles. And that one time she burned down Incubus's gazebo with her grand entrance. I mean, her entrance has always been the highlight every year. It was the thing that she looked forward to the most. And so did everyone else. She was so sure. I mean, Being a demon is kind of a boring existence. Sure, people fear you, and sure, you have the power of an immortal, but what good is all that if you can't go and party and let your hair down and lord over the lesser demons that can't even have an entrance every year like her? Those other demons who are lucky to even be invited, they don't have anything to do but show up at a ball where someone like Lilith might be there, and it's as good as it gets for them, right? Then she found the article. Medusa. I forgot it's Medusa who's in charge of the ball this year. Lilith knew Medusa well, 
She was pretty famous herself. I mean, not as famous as Lilith, but hey, who is? In fact, Medusa was one of the few regular attendees that Lilith always made sure to talk to whenever she went to the ball every year. I mean, talking sometimes overstates it. Some years, Lilith would just stare and feel vindicated that yet again her dress was better than Medusa's, but sometimes they did talk. Wait, what was that she told me last time I saw her? She was talking about not owning any mirrors, or maybe it was the fact that her husband, the moon, snores when he sleeps, or something like that. You know, it just got all so boring, and Lilith had just such an amazing story to tell Medusa, so I guess we never got back around to that, but that's okay. I have Medusa's number, and we talk sometimes. I'm going to call. This isn't crazy. I'm not crazy. Not getting an invite yet. That That's what's crazy. Yeah. You know what? She likes me. I'll just give her a call and ask her what's going on, and we can get to the bottom of this. So Lilith picked up her phone and called Medusa. But she didn't pick up. She was too busy to pick up. Whatever. I mean, it's just a call, and does she know who she's ignoring? I'm sure not. I'm sure she does not want to offend the bell of the ball right before her big production is about to happen. No, 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 no. There must be some sort of mistake. Heck, there must be some sort of emergency. Medusa must be in great danger. That's it. Someone's about to cut her head off. I wonder if I should go help her. Hmm, no. Then I might miss my opportunity to ask my mail carrier why my invitation has not shown up yet. So Lilith sat in front of her house was not waiting for the mail delivery because why would someone like her wait for an invitation like that? I mean, seriously, she just happened to be outside and just happened to like thinking and seeing and wondering and why hadn't she gotten it yet? It is just something I cannot understand. How could anything get so screwed up? If that mail carrier cannot account for this entire situation, his skull is being added to my pile today. Eventually, after a few hours of this sort of back and forth, Tom, the mail carrier, came idling down the pathway towards Lilith Cave slash castle slash mansion slash torture chamber. So there you are. I hope you have my invitation to the ball today. Tom gave Lilith a look that could only be described as absolute fear. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm just here to give you another one of these catalogs. I, I, I haven't seen your invitation today or any time this week, honestly, and uh, I, I've been real nervous that you were going to ask me about it. Of course you should be nervous when someone like you was so incompetent and can lose such an important thing, she snapped at him. No, 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 I, I promise I didn't lose it. I was never given it. It was never sent to you because uh, uh, that's all I know, and uh, I must really move along. And then Tom basically ran as fast as he could, away from the fury he was sure Lilith had. But there was no fury, only shock, which saved Tom's life that day. What's going on? What's happening here? This is insane. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Medusa better pick up the phone this time. So Lilith grabbed her phone and dialed with an anger and almost broke the screen because of the intensity of how much she wanted to get to the bottom of this particular conundrum. This time, luckily, Medusa picked up the phone. Medusa, I was just told that my invitation 
didn't only not get lost in the mail, but was never sent. What sort of mix-up is this? How, how, How could you be so stupid? Then, on the other end of the phone, Lilith heard a laugh. Lilith, you're just simply not invited this year. Not invited? How can you uninvite me? Don't you know the party won't be sane without me? Don't you know the demon's ball without a demon like myself just won't have the same meaning? Lilith, Medusa said, this is my first year to get to run the demon's ball. And whenever I decided to do it, the first thing I did was go around and ask all the people who ran it before, like Incubus, Belfoker, and Lucifer, what sort of advice they had for me. And I have to say, Lilith, those demons and witches and devils all told me one thing consistently over and over and over. I wish I would have not invited Lilith. So, you see, I did the thing they all wished they could have done retrospectively, and you're not invited to the ball. No invite is coming this year. Lilith screamed. How could you? How dare you? What? Who do you think you are? I can't even... Lilith, Medusa said. Look, I'm really busy right now, and I do have this big ball to throw. And honestly, there's a lot of people counting on me, so I'm going to have to go ahead and let you go. Have a good year, and maybe I'll see you next year if someone else is running the show. Or maybe not, because it seems like you've literally burned all your bridges. Click. The end. For now, this story is based on art from the WooWoo Crew NFT project owned by Jonathan Smith. Learn more about this project at uwucrew.art. And thank you very much for your time. Welcome back. That's all the time we have today. Thank you very much for jumping on with us and being part of our NFT time. You can find me on Twitter at JerkDake, J-I-R-K-D-A-K-E, or check out our project website at NFTTales.io with written stories and some more information about things to come. Yeah, I'm sorry about that website. Glad we got that up there. So y'all go on there and y'all can see the actual stories and and follow what we're doing on the podcast. Download just story only versions of this. If you don't want to listen on rambling, you just want to get the stories. We'll try to put those on the website. For now, thank y'all so much. We really appreciate getting to talk with y'all about NFTs today. Again, you can find me at at Poofy Hair Guy, and we look forward to sitting down with y'all next week. All right, bye now. See, talk to you later. (laughs) 